Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you again. I have a lot of books up here this morning. It may mean that it's going to be a very long sermon. And then again, maybe not. I brought my wife with me today. I won't make you stand up, but raise your hand. She's right there in the middle. No, above your head. There we go. All right. <laughs> and uh, if you really want to interesting conversation, ask her about my sermon about the donkey. I've got a great sermon about a donkey that she doesn't let me preach. But uh, Isn't that what it's all about? Teaching by example. You know, and, and we know that we're teaching by example when we want to and when we don't. We've all heard those stories about the things that children say to grandpa and grandma that don't exactly please mom and dad, things that they repeat. And of course, the things we want them to learn, they learn slowly. The things we want them to not to learn, they learn in just one shot. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is that learning my example as we lead our children to be active members in a local church, and that is if it was hard in the past, it's harder today. Because all of society says it doesn't matter. All of what they're hearing from their friends is it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Well, how are you going to fight against that? We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. And we'll start out in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to read from chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and I think I'm going to read from verse 22 to chapter 6, verse 4, and this is what it says. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in this way. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and, be, and, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord." Let's have a word of prayer. Father, help me this morning as I teach to focus. Help me to faithfully proclaim your word, Lord, and we will ask that you will bless it. And 
Lord, may the glory go to you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been on a series here in the church out of this book called I Am a Church Member. I've, of course, I've said probably every Sunday, I think, everybody probably has one of these. Some of your books probably could sell as a new book because you haven't read them. But uh, if you do read them, there's some interesting stuff in here, and there's, they're, they're pretty short, and we have talked about different aspects about what it means to be a church member. If you're here, what do you do? And the first one, of course, you're going to be a functioning church member. We talked about if you go and watch a professional football game, that doesn't make you a football player. It makes you a watcher. And the same way, if you're in a church, you participate. We talked about being a unifying church member and what, what it makes to, to make that whole thing work. We talked about the church not being about your preferences and your desires, but serving one another. And then we talked last week about praying for the church leaders, the shepherds, and today we're going to talk about leading the family to be a healthy church member. Well, is that hard? Well, I want to read a little section out of the book to start it, and it said, <clears throat> I didn't know it at the time, but Bob was watching me. He was concerned for me. He loved my youthful enthusiasm, but he knew what was coming. The more I got involved, the more I would see the imperfections of the church, the pastor, the staff, and any other church members. Bob had seen the pattern repeatedly. Get excited about church. Get more involved. Discover the imperfections of the church. Get discouraged about the church. Leave the church. It's the way it goes, isn't it, in our in our study, that's all that I'm going to read, and I need the space up here. When we talk about leading our children or our family, of course, it could be our mother, our father, our uncles, our aunts, our husbands, our wives, our children into being active church members. How do you do it? How do you do it? Well, I think the first thing, and if you remember nothing else out of this sermon today, remember this. God has no grandchildren. You think about that? God has no grandchildren. Your dad is a Christian. That doesn't make you one. Your grandfather was a Christian. That does not make you one either. God does not have any grandchildren. Every generation, every person will decide either I will follow Christ and therefore God will be my father or I will not, and he will not be my father. My father will be the father of lies. So if we think about the fact that God doesn't have any grandchildren, that's what this message is about today. How do we lead our children into a relationship with Christ and then a relationship with the body that where they're going to be active and actually participate? And I don't think it's easy, but I think we can look at some whys, why we do that and how. In, in the book study... He talks about praying for the church with your children. I think I'll go to, do you pray with your children? Um, do you worship together as a family? And only by doing that are you going to see how that changes. Now, here it was, here's what happens in the church with our children. When we have our children in the church, they, they watch us and they learn, just like this example of this kid who was always holding the light for his dad. I used to hold the light, and sometimes I held the wrench, and I held the screwdriver, 
and don't let it off, and I watch the gate, all of those things. And I learned a lot of things. But here inside the church, I think what our kids learn, they learn how to love the unlovable. We've talked about this before. There are weirdos in the church. Yes or no? There are weirdos in this church. And if you don't know who it is, go look in the mirror. You're that. Because everything, you want seems, Louisa often says, all kinds of stuff going on around us in our families. And, and she, she says, you know, Daniel, you and I must be the idiots. We've got to be the weird ones. We actually think that, that it's, you know, you should act like this. Well, in the church, it's kind of that way. You look around and you think, you know, well, yeah, I'm normal. Well, it's a setting on your dryer. You know that. But the other people are, they think you're weird. And, you know, I think it's normal to not comb my hair in the morning. You try it. Some of you wouldn't have much problem. Others of you would. But your kids, when they're in the church, and they, want, they learn to love the unlovable, because not all of us are lovable, but we're in this thing together. Our kids learn how to pray for those who are unworthy and don't deserve to be prayed for because they're jerks. But we pray for them anyway because God commanded us to, and they watch it, and they pick that up, and you know that more is caught than taught. They, they watch us, and they learn to serve the immature. You ever get tired of serving the same people over and over and over and over again, and they keep doing the same thing? Was it, was it Einstein who said idiocy is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? And, and you watch people do it. I do it. You know, I haven't figured it out, but if you come up with an ice cream diet, I'm in. But we do the same thing. I don't know why I'm putting on my dad. My dad, I, have, I learned a thousand things, and not all of them because he was trying to teach me. My dad was a big guy. And uh, so beside him, he, said, he would say, I don't know what happened to you. You were sick when you were little. I think that's why you're kind of runty. And uh, he, was a, he was taller than me, three or four inches taller. When he died, he was about 370 pounds, and he still got around. I mean, just was a great big guy, and he always... I mean, cattle moved, everything moved when he pushed on it. And, uh, but diet was something I learned how to not do from him. I remember one time I came home and he had bought, he had he'd gotten on this Herbal Life diet. Anybody remember Herbal Life diet? All right, maybe some people still do it, I don't know. But anyway, and so you mixed up this shake in the morning and it was breakfast and I saw him over there and he was, he was mixing up his shake and he drank his shake down and then then he was sitting down, and he had his eggs and his toast and his coffee and, and stuff. And I said, what's the deal with that? I thought you were that herbal. Oh, yeah. I said, you just drink that stuff, and then you can eat whatever you want. <laughs> said, well, Dad, I don't think it works that way. But your kids are watching just like, I I'll never forget it. And your kids are watching you. And so are they learning about church? Church attendance, loving the others, praying for the others, being kind to the others. Are they learning to forgive the offender? Because I promise you, here in the church, this is where our children either learn to love the local church or not. I have some friends on Facebook. My earliest memories in church would be with Wade Van Weston, Doyle Dreesen, 
Kelly Day and myself. We were, well, I was four years old, and there we were in Sunday school together. And out of them, two of us are active in the church. Two of us are not. Now, we had a lot of fun when we were growing up in church together, sitting in the church together, singing together, when we got to sitting by ourselves so we could really carry on and, and act up. But don't you think we should help her? I mean, it's okay, Thor. Take a breath. All right. The kids will either learn to love the church only one time did I shout out on the way out, someone save me. <laughs> when my dad got out of the pew, there were five of us, little as sat closest to dad and mom. You know, and first you'd fidget, you'd get the look. And then after a while, his hand would come across my mom's lap and lay on your leg. And you'd straighten up and go back to looking at him. And then you'd make too much noise, and he'd get up. When he got up, you could promise the world it didn't matter. You were toast. <laughs> he always used to laugh. He said, I think, you, uh, that didn't happen very often. <laughs> Thinking, yeah, that's kind of like your herbal life diet, buddy. <laughs> but. Okay, so the, church, the kids are either going to learn to love it or they're going to learn to hate it. And you've got to bring them and you've got to have them here. And God's Word says that. And so I chose this morning to focus in on Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4, as to what we do. This is what we do in church. We're teaching them by example, but we're actually trying to teach them something here but to do that, of course, we've got to have them here, and we've got to be doing the same things, otherwise they're not interested. You said your sisters get to Sunday school, but you stay home and drink coffee. Uh, when they get older, they're going to stay home and drink coffee. That's just what they do. So let's go back to Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4, and we see that it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Wow. We all know that's a true statement. When children obey their parents, parents are happy and children are happy because normally we don't ask our kids to do things that are dangerous or terrible for them. In our house this morning, you would have thought Sophie was, was being tortured because she had to eat her fruit, which she eats every day. But she ate it anyway. But so we teach our children and we tell them, so Christ says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then there's a second uh, order here. It says, honor your father and mother. Why? Verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, many of you know as you grew up that when you were really little, dad knew everything. When you hit the teenager years, they, they didn't know near as much. You hit about 18 and you might have thought they were really kind of dumb. And then you go on with life and you hit 20, they're starting to get smarter, 25, they know a lot. All of a sudden you're, you're 35 or 40 years old and it's like, oh my word, why didn't I just listen? And then they're gone and you're left with the memories. And that's the way life goes and for those of you who are 
you know, teenagers, you're younger. Uh, just get ready for it. It will happen someday. You'll even act like your dad and, uh, and your mom. Yep, it happens. It'll be funny. But it goes well with you when we obey. So, our, we want the, so God calls children to obey so that they can be blessed in this life. It goes on in verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. So, you know, you, you, you know the dads that do that, that are always picking at their kids and always being, you know, just they're either teasing them and they're bugging them. And I, I watched her, you were not being mean to your daughter, so it's fine. Uh, but there are parents who do that, both adult, you know, Parents of adult kids and parents of small kids. And that's the one that says, fathers, don't do that. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You want to have them have that. You train them in gathering in the fellowship. They're here. You train them in the gathering and they're praising the Lord and they're singing. And, you get, and you're training them as they're here and they're hearing the word. And they learn. Sometimes they want to. Sometimes they didn't want to. In my home, it was not optional. You went to church. If you weren't dead, you were, you were in church. And so there were many times I thought, well, that's a waste of time, but I remember things. And when I went through dark days in my life or I go through difficult times, the memories come back, the verses come back, the songs come back. And with my older brother, sometimes we'll laugh and I'll, I'll start you know, I can start off in a hymn, and, and he's, he, you know, he can sing the next verse. It's, we heard those things. They stuck in our heads, or scripture references and sermons. Well, it's formal biblical instruction, and it can happen at home, but it also happens in the church, and that's why we want our children to be a part of it. Now, secondly, I'd say, why do we do that? Why do you want your children to know about the Lord? Well, one, you want them to be in eternity with you, but you also want them to be blessed on this earth, and you know in this life you have, there are two ways to do things. You can do it God's way, or you can do it your way. Think about that for a second, and this is coming from someone who has both done it God's way, and I have done it my way. You know, Frank Sinatra had a famous song. Yeah, I did it my way, and I won't sing it for you, you'd cry, but um, probably his most famous song. It was not his favorite song. His favorite song was The Best is Yet to Come, and that's what's on his tombstone. Now, how about you? Are you doing it God's way, or are you doing it your way? And so you were desperately telling our children, don't do it your way. It won't work out. Now, we tell them that at home, but we also bring them into the church in the body, and then they're here with other friends who are being told the same thing. And even if they do dumb stuff, they do it together, and they know that they shouldn't. And then they have some friends who have that teaching and training. You all know, your kids, we all say it. Show me your friends, I'll show you your life in five years. And it's, it's true. They don't like it, but it's true. So we want them to be instructed. Well, why not? Well, because, and if we go on in Ephesians, I'm going to jump ahead now to in chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Let's look at them quickly. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We want our children to be balanced. We want them to be healthy physically. And I, and I look down here at Cora, and it's wonderful to see her, and she's, yeah, she's a happy camper today. And we want them to be healthy physically, but not just healthy physically. We also want them to be uh, intellectually sound so that they can learn. And, 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 and when, when they're not, as in the case of our Sophie, we work very hard to help them deal with life and, and give them manners to, to, to cope. And then, but the, we want also, we want the spiritual part to be strong. I preach it in my home all the time to my kids. Some listen, some don't. Balance, balance, balance. Spiritual, academic, and physical. When you've got those in balance, you're happy life. And the spiritual part of it is, we see it here in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil's a pig. The devil knows your weaknesses. He doesn't know everything, but he knows you, and he knows your weakness, and he'll make you fall. They tell the story of the day that uh, there was a, a holy man who lived out in the middle of the desert, and he was known as the most holy man in the whole area. He just never sinned. He never got upset. He never got angry, no matter what happened. And one day they say the devil was walking across the desert there, and he came across, and he had, he had three of his chief demons out there, and they were supposed to be working on this guy, and nothing. And so the devil said to him, to those guys, well, what in the world are you doing? I mean, this guy, he, I, I hear everybody says he's a holy man, and he never sins. And they said, yeah, we just try everything. We can't get him. And so the devil smiled, and he said, watch this. And he went up, and he whispered something in the guy's ear. And he jumped up, screaming and hollering. He smashed his little hut down and went stomping off into the desert. And the other three said, man, what did you tell him? And he said, oh, I said, I just told him his best friend was just named Bishop of Rome. A little bit of jealousy goes a long way. My point is, we bring our children in, and we're get, we want them to be a part of this, so that they can put on the full armor and stand against the devil's schemes because they too will be sought out by the enemy, not just you. Oftentimes their weaknesses are our weaknesses and that hurts even worse when we see it. But verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God. And in verse 12 it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We often think it is. If our kids are just smart enough, if they have a good enough degree, if they have a good enough job, if they have enough money, if they're stable, blah, 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 blah. But it's against rulers and authorities, powers of this dark world, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Folks, life is war. For the Christian, life is war, and the battle is heating up. Make sure that your children are forced into being around other people that can help them stand. Life is war. Now, you may say to me, well, that's all fine and dandy, but what am I going to do? How am I going to make that happen? I mean, we don't have any authority today. Just last week, a police officer came in to my office, and, and happily, he was there to visit me, not looking for me. 
Actually, his wife is our newest employee, and so he stopped by, and we've known him for a number of years, and, and he said this to me. He said, Daniel, you wouldn't believe the number of 911 calls we get to go to a home, and the parent says, he won't clean his room. Yes, they get 911, and he said, we show up, well, he won't, I tell him to go clean his room, and he won't listen to me. He says, and I'm standing there, I'm thinking, I got lots of ideas, but not all of them are legal. <laughs> and that's the world we live in. You know it because kids will say, oh, you can't do that to me. I'll call 911. And there are a hundred, you know, there, there's no easy out on that thing. You know, and yes, you hear parents that say, call. They'll take you away and investigate, bring you back a month from now. But it'll look better here when you get back. But that's not easy. But that's the state we're in. I couldn't believe it. I said, are you telling me the truth? He said, oh, absolutely. So how are we going to do this? Well, here, I'm going to present a few ideas. They're not mine. Out of what I consider to be the flat-out best book on child raising today, especially for teenagers, but even younger, it says, have a new kid by Friday. Okay, it's by Dr. Kevin Lehman. If you ever hear him talk, he's funny, he's smart, and he raised five kids. So he doesn't just have a degree, he also has practical knowledge. So I want to share a few things of what he says. And we applied it in our home, and I'll tell you about one of those things as we get to the end. Worked real well. So some practical stuff of how do we get him to do this. First of all, why, why don't children listen? You've got children in your home. They're beautiful, innocent little creatures who never defy you. Is this true? No, that's not true. Uh, listen, this is what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Your children have inherited your sin nature... And if you really want to have some fun theologically, I probably could argue that they inherit their sin nature from the father and not from the mother. So moms smile. You know, that old argument, well, who's she acting like or who's he acting like? But they have a sin nature, therefore, your children are not as nice as you think they are. And neither is mine. They are separated from God. They have a sin nature, therefore, they want to disobey you. So your children are and I include mine, but your children are manipulators, and they're smart. How many times have you said, oh, man, look at that kid. She's got an old mom wound around her finger tight. We know that. It's all about your response. One of the things that Dr. Lehman would say, and I would say to you, as you're talking to your children and talking about coming to church, we're going to talk about that, say it once and walk away. Unless you are auditioning for a part on the Sesame Street, learn to count. I'm going to tell you, please stop counting. Your children heard you the first time. <laughs> My time's coming to an end, so I'm really letting it go this morning here, you know. So they probably can count to three. And they just ignore you on one and two. And I don't, you've seen it happen. 
but I'm laying it out there. When God calls us to train our children, he calls us to say it once, walk away, and let the consequences roll. It's about attitude. We talk about attitude, behavior, and character. We, work, we see the attitude, but if you want to change your child's attitude, or your husband's or your wife's, change your attitude first. It's not about you. It's about them. So change your attitude. Just serve them some more. They're cranky. Serve them some more. They're not happy. Serve them some more. Start and love your children. Love them like crazy. I always tell Louisa, Juan's now 19 years old, you know, and, I, and he's home from college. I said, spoil him rotten. Make sure you make the food that he wants. Sit there and scratch his back, whatever. It, 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 spoil him. With the right hand and with the left, demand that the attitude and the behavior that comes out of that is the correct one and that it's God honoring because we're, all, we're trying to develop character, aren't we? And you know that character is what we do when no one is looking. And when, so when we're not around, we want our children to have that character. And that comes from putting God's word in, having them here in church. So now you're dealing with them. You realize your children at some point are going to say, I don't want to go to church. I'm not going to church. And the famous, you can't make me go to church. Which is not technically true. You could tie them up and bring them in a sack. But, so... I think as we look at scripture, there, and one of the, let, look, let reality be the teacher. Learn to respond rather than react. And B doesn't happen until A is completed. I mean, they really will not die if they don't get to do something that they want to do. I would say that occasionally you need to be mean. At least they're going to say that you're mean. You're just mean. Oh, yeah, yep, I am, yep, I got a gold medal in it. What's going to happen? I mean, why do we have to be cowards when our kids, you know, say, well, you're just mean. Oh, you're awful. Oh, everybody else. Yeah, I tried that too. Didn't you? Now, with me, it was a Scooby-Doo lunchbox. I told my mother and I told my father, everybody else in the Ben Franklin Elementary School has one but me. My dad said, I, I don't care. I don't care if everybody in the entire town has one. I, you're not getting one. I didn't die. Here I am. I still don't have a Scooby-Doo lunchbox either. Yeah, you could change it. You get me one. So. But when I say be mean... You know, a permissive parent, if the child says, I don't want to go to church, it's not very much fun, okay, you don't have to go. The authoritarian parent is going to jump on the other side and then say, I don't care if you've got 104 degrees and you're vomiting, pick up your bucket and let's go. That obviously is wrong because there's no kindness or compassion or love there. But the responsible parent is going to go down this road and is going to say, okay, fine, you're sick. Okay, don't go to church. Go to bed. That's what you do the rest of the day. No, 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 you don't miraculously get better at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No, you cannot go anywhere. No, 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 you just stay there in your bed. Here's some books to read. Take advantage of the time. 
if you get a child, and, and this comes right out of Layman's book, so you get a child that says, I'm, just, I'm not going to church. And their teenagers say, okay, fine. See ya. Now, first of all, tell them, look, I know you don't want to go, but that's where we worship. We, ask, we do things for you that we don't like. We want you to do this. And they just say, I'm not going. Okay, see ya. Get in the car, go to church. Leave them home. After you finish church, go to their favorite restaurant. Take pictures. <laughs> go do something else they like to do and show up much later. And when they ask you, well, what took you so long? Well, we, you know, we went to church, and then we went to this restaurant, and then we went, oh, you didn't tell me that. Well, you know what? You go to church, you get to do fun things, and if you don't, you live with the consequences. Don't make it a big battle. Don't make it a big fight. Don't yell at them and holler. That doesn't matter anyway. It is tune you out. Let the consequences fall and be steady so that as you bring the kids into the church and as they're here, they're learning, they're growing, and they're also learning how to be parents themselves. So in our own life, Louisa and I, of course, we married 10 years ago. Juan was 9 years old when we got married, I think, if that's right. And, uh, of course, Luis and I are different people. I can tell you on what shelf in my closet my short-sleeved T-shirts are on, and I can tell you where exactly they are. They're either on the left, in the center, or on the right. I have them separated into three piles. Please do not mess them up. I have a desk at work. I don't have things on it. I tell people I work on my desk. It is not a storage cabinet. Now, Louisa might be a little bit different than that. And you guys are different as well. Well, Juan comes along, and he's nine years old, and I'll tell you what, he grew up with a maid. Literally. And uh, so his clothing came off, and wherever it landed, that's where it landed. Okay, guy's got to be a nice guy, but this went on for a while, and I, so finally I said, okay, here's a hamper. I want you to put your clothes in the hamper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clothes in the same spot. Gets a little older, now he's in sports. So, you know, when the clothes come off, they really stink. Somebody, I, I heard about this guy, I got the book, and I read, I thought, you know what? And when he says have a new kid by Friday, he was serious. I read that thing, I thought, Louisa, this is what we're going to do, is that okay? Okay. So I said, Juan, I want you to put your clothes in, in that basket. Yep, okay. So I'd go in, there'd be clothes on the floor, dirty, stinky, smelly, underclothes, outer clothes. They went in the hamper, I folded them up, put them right back in the closet, put them back in the drawer, because I just said, okay, if they're, if they're not in the hamper, they're not dirty. <laughs> so, of course, it took a couple days until he began to pull something out to put it on, and it was kind of crusty. Who? What's this stuff doing in my closet? Well, I don't know. It wasn't in the. It wasn't in the hamper. I figured it was clean. I just put it back in there for you. And he looked at me, and I said, "Which I am going to do for the rest of your life." He started immediately putting the clothes in the hamper. Now, not a hundred percent. I mean, occasionally he would miss it. But you know what? When they miss it once in a while, what do you do? You just put it in there. And you don't say anything. Because it really doesn't matter to you either. It's the idea of the principle behind it. 
in the same way when your kids are struggling with coming to church or they don't want to sit and pray with you and they don't want to do those things, go natural consequences. I don't know what they are in your case. But don't kick, fuss, scream, holler, beat them. I mean, it's not going to matter at the end of the day. I had friends like that and, you know, they're long gone. They're long gone. But natural consequences work. Why do we know that they work? Well, it's something called scripture. And here's a verse many of you know, many of you have memorized. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. That happens here in this body. It also happens in your home, and it happens on the road, and it happens everywhere. But it happens here in this body, in this place, so you bring your children and you train them. Doesn't mean they'll never get off the path, but they'll remember the road. God has no grandchildren. So let's make sure we're introducing our children to their spiritual father so they have that relationship too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that you are patient with us as your children and you probably roll your eyes also. But Lord, help us to be faithful in bringing our children into that relationship with you and bring them to the church and involve them in the activities here. But Lord, let's make sure we're doing it by example. As we pray, as we serve, as we love, as we give to one another. Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory for it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.